Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Fisher. Today I'm talking with Drew Demler again. He's back. He has more stories. And I'm just going to hand it over to him. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I just, just mentioned um, off air that I feel like this is a perfect time for us to be talking again. Um, by the way, right before right before we started talking, I looked up the date of the Silver Bridge collapse uh, in mm-hmm. honor of uh, your podcast and and John Keel and everything. We we missed it by a few days. We're we're very close. I, December fifteenth. Yeah. I'm sure yep. you probably knew that. I I didn't, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're close. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we are close. We are close. Lots of weird things happen in December, so yes. that's, yeah. We're close to the solstice, mm-hmm. too, and since we're talking about lights, makes Perfect, sense. exactly. Perfect tie-in there. But, by the way, I uh, I really, really enjoyed your recent episode with, with Michael. Um, oh, good. That was fantastic. Y'all were great together. I wasn't super familiar with him. Um but mm-hmm. I was really impressed with this with this interview, and I definitely want to want to go learn more about him. So I definitely wanted to get that in. Um, yeah, he's a really cool guy. I especially like the the aspect when y'all were talking about um, CE five or heist or whatever you want to call it, and how it kind of corresponds mm-hmm. to the an occult ritual. Which I t- yeah. absolutely that's what it is. You know, I, I think so. Anyway. And yes, it's a summoning. Th- exactly. It, that's exactly what, what I feel like, too. I came across CE5 before I seriously studied much occult material or, or much of, of mm-hmm. on, on very much of that. But especially when I started learning more about, I guess, an, angelic or demonic, you know, evocations or invocations. I, I never can remember the difference. But when I started studying, okay, you please, want me to you want me to throw it that. out? Please, okay. An invocation is to summon something to okay. you. An evocation is a summoning of something either out of huh. you, okay, or into you. Mm. So, to invoke a, a an angel, you call the angel down, and it will appear before you, or you know, answer you psychically or whatever. That's that's an invocation. If you make an evocation, it comes to you and through you. And that's a more dangerous proposition for any entity of any kind. So that's the difference. And it's j- stick with invocation. Stick with that's evocation is is advanced you know, theory and practice. You don't want to play with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the difference. So it would be, CE5 would be considered more of an invocation or correspond to an invocation? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. It's a summoning, it's a calling. And at the very first time I saw um, Stephen Greer's method, I was like, that's an invocation, dude, and that's all that is. You know, I, I was kind of like, and you don't need to charge that much money no. for that. Um, nope. But you know, <laughs> uh, and then I I read other stuff. Uh, Jeff, I uh, can't remember his last name. Uh, the late Jeff 
I'll put it in the show notes because my brain just had a bleh. But it was the same basic thing as as Greer's method. It was a little bit more di- direct in a way. Um, but it it was basically go somewhere outside of your house um, and then call out, you know, uh, meditate, become calm, become centered, and then call out to the universe, essentially, to send something your way. And, you know, he says, he said it worked. And uh, he, he said, you know, don't do it lightly. Don't do it in a joking fashion. Because sometimes it works way better than you expect it huh. to. And then, you know, you might have problems with poltergeist activity in your house, for example. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know this. <laughs> wise, a wise person who wrote, who wrote about that. That's that's interesting. Now I want yes. I want to find out more about about who that whoever this was. I'll I'll have to read the show notes when we're done. I will. I will get you. I will get and put into the show notes a link to his writings. <laughs> Um, and you can hear him talking with Greg Bishop and describing how he contacted the sky people, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call him. And uh, he's very, very clear. Ritzman. Jeff, Jeff Ritzman. Jeff Ritzman. Okay. That's his name. I'll look that yeah. up for sure. Um, yeah. I will I will get the, the information to you. We'll put it in the Heck show notes. Yeah. Uh, it's... He's, you know, he didn't want to tell Greg his method, not because he wanted to keep it secret, but because he had gotten some poltergeist and other psychic disturbance issues in his house, which is why he says, don't do it in your own house. You know, don't do it close to your house. Have them haunt someplace else. (laughs) (laughs) But, But my feeling is, is once you call, they can find you so it's not necessarily the place it's the person but it it, he 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 was right and he was he's he did a lot of really cool work that he wasn't recognized for very much so definitely something to look into definitely i i'm fascinated now and uh i guess one thing that is interesting with with ce5 though and you brought up a great point is that there's no, there's not necessarily a closing to it, right? And maybe there should be, mm-hmm. um, kind of like you discussed mm-hmm. about on the episode with with Michael Hughes, where you, you y'all kind of joked around about how Crowley never closed the door on Lamb, and maybe that led to, <laughs> maybe yeah. that led to, you know, some something still still happening, and 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 I guess once you open mm-hmm. a door, you you never know what might come through it, and and maybe we should take mm-hmm. better care to maybe close that door when we're done. Yeah, yeah, that is one of the things that Keel did say in one of his articles or uh, papers that he circulated. He had a newsletter called The Anomalist, and he would write articles in that and then send it out to other investigators. So in the 60s, there is there was a time and a place where he said, the only people who seemed to know exactly what was going on were the witches, the demonologists, 
the the ceremonial magicians because he 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 started to believe that people were essentially summoning spirits or spirits were around certain people and it caused all of this this stuff to happen and that was during his um his mothman okay. investigations so that was back in 67 68 when he wrote wow. that and I, you know, I remembered reading that a couple years ago, and I couldn't find it and couldn't find it. And I finally found it in one of Andy Colvin's edited collections of Keel's writing. So I had read it a while back and then forgot which book it was in. So wow, <laughs> I, uh, wow, wow. So tell me what's going on. You, you, you sound like you have have things that are happening and are exciting. Definitely. So. To start with, I'm I'm in a new relationship. Um, I know that my Yay! first my first time that I, that I recorded with you, I talked you know openly about my my prior marriage falling apart and and maybe that being a catalyst for some of the things that uh, that started happening on a consistent basis. Which I I definitely still think that emotion is uh, f- at least for me. Uh, Mm-hmm. seems to bring things about um that that definitely continues to this day but i'm in a very good relationship uh i've been i've been seeing just a, a wonderful person and gosh this could almost be its own topic because i have discussed some of this with her but not quite everything you know um, right and it can that can be a really tricky thing to tap dance around you know um yeah yeah. So there's there's been in fact <laughs> just last night um we were driving. I was I was driving her car. We went to a great concert last night. Had a really fun evening. Listened to some cool music and stuff. But anyway, um sure enough, I mean I I saw just clear as a bell a really really bright orb flying right over mm-hmm. and I knew I was like mm, do I say something? Do I not? Do I say anything? And I, I didn't. And this was this has happened. Mm-hmm. At, there's been at least three occasions now that we've that we've been together when I saw something um, cl- very clearly, very demonstrative, even, and and chose to to mm-hmm. not point it out. I think I'd I'd rather, and I don't know why. I maybe I maybe I should next time. Because like I say, she she definitely knows that this is a thing for for me you know and i've Mm -hmm. even shown her some of my pictures and videos you know we've talked even a little bit about the owl um Mm -hmm. and and all of that but but yet i haven't haven't shown it to her just yet so Mm -hmm. you know and i i get these is tricky you know it's not easy knowing oh yeah yeah because you know i to, to my knowledge, at least, I, I know she's definitely a spiritual thinker, but I don't think that she's had these types of experiences before. So it can right. be kind of heavy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, um, prior to she and I getting together, I had like a really active summertime. Very active. Um, all kind of stuff happening. Um the orb sightings continued um, to increase big time, and uh, 
I do have, there's a couple of stories in particular that I, I want to tell you about, which will, could maybe lead to another topic. But to start with, let's go back to spring. Um, I think it was in April. I think there is a friend of mine who's, I'm not going to mention his name. He's also an experiencer. Um, he lives up north. He lives in uh, in Illinois, in fact. So not okay. not too, too far from you. Not that Mm-mm. far. Yeah. Um, really interesting guy. Great guy. Very hard worker for his family and everything, but uh, and a really smart man. But anyway, um, I kind of met him a little bit you know through synchronicity I saw an interview that he did with uh, one of Grant Cameron's assistants and I just kind of arbitrarily reached out through I found him on Facebook and just sent him a message I was like hey I know you don't know me I loved your interview um, you know love to talk to you sometime and we kind of felt each other out for a while you know because he didn't know me or anything yeah. and I didn't really know him but Eventually, we, we kind of broke through to, to start chit-chatting with each other on a pretty regular basis, which has been great. Um, but come to find out, he travels for work periodically, and he one of the places he comes to is in Oklahoma, which is not far from where I'm at in Dallas. So right. three, four times now, just since the first of the year, I've driven up and visited with him in Oklahoma when he, when he comes. And man, we just have a great time. You know, we just we chit chat with each other. Of course, we talk about it, all the books we've been reading or the what we've seen and yeah. the experiences we've had. Um, which, by the way, for anyone out there um, who is also a fellow experiencer, if you are able to meet in person with another with another weirdo, if you could find another weirdo close by, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. It's very comforting. I found it very comforting. And I know that my friend has too. Um, and it's just been, it's been great. And just definitely going to be a lifelong friendship and, and something that I think will, will continue to grow. But anyway, also when we get together, of course, we go and Skywatch. And there's uh, mm-hmm. the hotel that he, that he stays at. Is a pretty neat complex. And it has a big field, a big wide open field next to it and a pond and we'll we'll go sit out we don't do anything we're not doing any kind of rituals or we don't do c5 anything we just go and watch now um and and we've always been able to we've getting some amazing videos and some some pictures we see these really strange really strange lights uh that sit low on the horizon they're orange they're just Mm-hmm. blazing orange and they'll they'll sit perfectly still for a while and then they'll I have a very good video on a night vision camera actually of one changing direction like it it comes one way comes to a complete stop and then juts off the opposite direction um they behave very similar to drones like if they were just gigantic drones mm-hmm. um and if you mm-hmm. record them, sometimes they'll fly right over your head. We've seen that a, a few times. Like they literally will react to us, um, which oh, is wow. wild, man. It is really something. Um, so we, we see those in particular, but we see all, all sorts of things. We've, we've shot some pretty good videos. We've seen some really 
some of my more interesting photographs and so forth were from my, my trips with him. Um, but on this one occasion, this one spring night, we were kind of at the end of our Skywatch session. And I, I even remember him saying, he's like, I think the light show's done tonight, Drew. And I was like, yeah, man, I think, you, I think you're right. And it was getting pretty late. And uh, we were walking back towards the hotel room. And we were, I would say, 20, 30 yards away from a sidewalk, um, which is right next to a very busy street, right on side of a very busy road. And we saw mm-hmm. this person, presumably a large person, wearing like a, uh, a jacket. Had on like a, a fairly long, not a mm-hmm. trench coat, but a longish, a, a big kind of a puffy looking jacket. Um. And something about him just looked strange to both of us. We both commented. We were like, the way he was walking, he had like a very strange gait about him. And something just seemed off. And we we both kind of looked at each other like, are you seeing this? And he was like, yeah, are you, are you seeing that? And we, were, we both noticed something just seemed off. Well... There was a one tree along the walk path, the, the path that he was walking. There was one tree. And immediately after he walked behind that tree, as he took a step, he took a series of three steps and he appeared to be getting shorter with each progressive step. Okay. So I'm going to get back to that in a second. Oh. Shorter, shorter, shorter. And then he took a final step and poof, gone. He was gone. Gone. And we, we both saw it clear as a bell. Wow. We were like, oh, my God, did he just disappear? So we immediately, like after a moment of astonishment, we just sprinted through this field down to the uh, down to the, the walkway where he was walking. And uh, nothing. And this is Oklahoma's flat as a pancake where we were. So there was oh, no, yeah. like, change of terrain. Yeah. There weren't any shrubs. I mean, there was nowhere for him to go, for someone to go. Um, yeah, no dips mm-mm. in the the ground. None no, of that. yeah, he was just gone. And wow. after we we kind of collected ourselves and like kind of retold the story probably ten times to each other, you know, uh, we were both started thinking about it, and it kind of came into both of our our minds. We were like, "Holy shit, this is like a Bigfoot story." You know, it reminded me very similar mm-hmm. of some of the of the stories you'd hear from from Bigfoot, you know, and the gait, the way he had this kind of gangly, funny walk. He definitely and both of us remember clothes on, you know, it didn't look like a, a big ape man or, or anything. It just looked like a large person. But other than that, mm-hmm. it was it seemed very, very characteristic of a of a Bigfoot encounter. Um it was very interesting. So I know you know a lot of people who are into that in that field, and I was curious what you you had to say or what you thought about that. Well, I'm going to ask you about the gate. So, was it? Did his joints seem to move in a way that was different from the way human joints move? Ah. <sighs> I'm going to say no Was he take- in my memory. Okay. The thing that stood out to both of us after we kind of recollected the story 
is the way it was a bigger person. I mean, it was a bigger whatever. Right. Uh, oh, there's one other detail right. I need to mention here in a second. But the thing that that about him that that stood out is he was like swaying his arms back and forth, um, right as he would walk, like a, a very exaggerated the way his arms would swing. Not at all like a normal person would walk, right? Um, and he wasn't running or, or sprinting or anything like that. You know, he was walking at a normal pace, but just as he would walk, the way the arms would swing was kind of odd. And especially with the jacket on, um, it just was kind of exaggerated, you know? Here's the other thing that I remember that I just remembered. I'm glad I remembered this detail because I wanted to mention this too. At one point in time, so he's walking along. It's very dark by this time. It's, it's probably pushing midnight. It's pretty dark. And before, before he got to the tree, one of the things that really clued us in, a car passed him. So he's walking one direction and a car passed him coming from the other direction. So the lights shone directly onto this guy and he was stayed pitch black. He did not light up. Like you couldn't see the color of his jacket or anything else. And we oh. were both like, I think we were both like, shit. And then like very, as soon as the car passes, when he crossed the tree and started <laughs> shrinking or whatever happened there, and then poof, he was gone. And he, my friend, re- remembers wow. the exact same details. He he could he could tell it to you too. Wow. So, um, did you did did he have short or long hair? It looked like. Could you tell? Like yeah, I don't remember. I, yeah, yeah. Um, did his footsteps make a sound on the pavement that you could tell? We were far enough away. I. I did not hear them, right. but I don't know that we would right. have. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I figured you were too far away for that. Um, did you examine the tree when you got a chance to? No, we didn't. Huh. Mm. Okay. Interesting. That's, that's, that is interesting that you didn't, because you're the plant I guy. I know. You like plants. And it that seems like the first thing that you'd want to do, and it seems to me that there's a reason you didn't, that there was something that kind of was like, do not notice this tree, you know? (laughs) It's a Jedi mind trick, don't notice the (laughs) tree. Don't look at the tree. Don't don't come over here. (laughs) I'm I'm busy over here. Uh, Wow. Because the first thing I thought of was, well, he sh- he either shrank into nothingness mm-hmm. and went poof poof and was totally gone, or he w- became invisible. That's also another possibility. Or he stepped into a portal that was near the tree, or it was the tree itself, huh. and just moved on into something else somewhere else. That's that's almost what it looked like. The way, I don't know. It's hard to say because he definitely shrank down. I mean, it looked like he was climbing down a set of stairs. Um, yeah. And then, oh, maybe he went into the earth itself. Wow. That makes <laughs> I sense. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> that that makes a lot of yeah, sense. It, 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 yeah, it, it really does. Interestingly, I, I just recorded uh, some Bigfoot stories last night. Did you? 
and uh, they're very interesting and they're they're a little unusual. So I'm like, oh, this is wow, this is interesting um, that they're coming together like this. Um, how how close is that uh, walkway to where you all were watching the sky? It was at the time when we we were walking back to the hotel. So it's it's. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a good football field away from where we normally set up to watch the sky. But mm-hmm. at the time we saw it, we were probably 20, 30 yards away. 20 yards. Right. I would say. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And that. I was making sure it wasn't super close to where you had been. Like, you know, maybe somebody had been standing there watching you or something. You know, paranoid me thinks oh, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So that's good. That's actually good that if it if you were being watched, it was from a, a distance. Um, wow, that's really cool. And this is it. And he he had no color when the light flashed on him. Not at all. Did he cast a shadow? I don't think he did. I don't think so. Yeah, but yeah, that that's always one of those things that. That is disturbing. I'm near a hundred percent sure that he did not. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was. So now you have. Yeah. Now you have to wonder. Okay, was this a, a a vision that we shared that he was partially non corporeal? Mm-hmm. You know, we looked into another dimension or something and saw him going about his business or or what i mean yeah or was he there and just didn't cast a shadow for whatever reason and light couldn't really splash onto him that's he it, essentially he he rejected light yes you know it did not light did not behave around him as it mm-hmm. should it's kind of the opposite of the sort orbs. Of. Their light tends to not work the way it should. Yes. You know, as as we understand, even if you don't know anything about physics and light, we all know that light should, you know, it goes out in beams, you know, and it should cast its its itself in these uniform ways. There shouldn't be like little self-contained lights dancing around that are bright but not casting their color or their their ambient light onto ob- other yes. objects that's just not humans know that's not right even if they can't articulate it in their head immediately exactly and i think part of the interesting thing about this humanoid person is that light didn't behave itself as it should around him. That's very interesting to me. And doesn't it doesn't it somehow seem that a lot of these experiences, whether it's the point of them or not, somehow seem to teach us that maybe there's more to physics and science than we understand just yet, you know? Uh Yeah. Just the way things happen is certainly with all the high strangeness, you know, that that comes yeah. with, with a lot of these cases and so forth. But 
you know, and I'm even thinking of, have you seen the guy, uh, oh, uh, Jimmy Blanchett? Have you ever seen any of his videos? I think I've seen a couple, yes, because the name's familiar. He's the guy, if people aren't familiar, um, really neat guy, um, smart, real smart guy, but he, he'll take just, uh, just standard, you know, broadcast like CB type radios, uh, and he'll dial them all to a certain frequency, and he uses a uh, a computer app to code a message into a sound signal, and he'll take a bank of these radios all dialed to the same station, in essence, to the same frequency, and he'll take one of those radios and broadcast the signal out. Um, mm-hmm. And he will get a return uh, to, his, to the radio, but... Only the one that he broadcasts from will get will record the, a response to that message sitting Whereas, right next to four or five an embankment of four or five others. Yeah, that all should. Yeah, they should they also. Should all. Yeah, that's that's how radios work. Unless they're shielded uh-huh. in some way, that's that should not work that way. And I I know people who've who've seen him do this, you know, in, in person and so forth. And he's also done on some of his videos where he'll do the exact same, the exact same thing, but he'll put a radio inside of a microwave, which is a Faraday cage in essence, which is shielded. Yeah. And it'll still respond. It'll still record the response. So, oh, right. man, unless that's a screwed up microwave, you know, that is not shielding yourself, you know, the, the human who uses it from the microwave radiation right. then and that shouldn't happen exactly either. right they're very well shielded and his uh he has a lot of videos out there i think he has his own youtube channel his name is jimmy blanchett he calls he and, and there's a few other people that that he works with and they call their process ce6 where they're using the radio to make contact and he's he's shown on a lot of his videos and apparently in person too where he'll he'll broadcast signals you know, and they get sightings in response, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is fascinating. Um, again, this is another example of of what we understand about physics. Just going off the 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 ranch, you know, it's just going off. Well, we're just gonna just work this way yeah. now, and it's not supposed to. It's that's not supposed to do it that mm-hmm. way, uh, which this is fascinating. And it's, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's worth, it would be worth looking into, but, but yeah, it just seems that in a number of these instances that there is not, and I don't want to say it's a message. Maybe that's not the right word, but, but that's kind of what I mean, where I, I do wonder if, if, a per- at least a percentage of what the experience is all about. I mean, it does feel like something's kind of tapping us on in the shoulder saying, there's more, there's more, there's yeah. more than what you see. There's keep going. There's, there's more to this, to this right. reality, you know, there's more to it than, yes. than, than you yes. think you understand just yet. Yeah. It, that does seem to be a consistent, not necessarily verbalized message, but, an interpretive message that, you know, we're being shown that, that, uh, 
material reality is material it it exists you're you know what you've learned about it the physics that you understand about it particle physics uh the physics of light the physics of the electromagnetic spectrum these are all true but there's other stuff Mm -hmm. too and yeah i know that they're one of the interesting things that people who have been studying UAP, UFO phenomena for a while, um, one of the things that they do say is, well, they have a technology that makes them able to do, to manipulate material reality. And it could be a technology. I'm not saying it's not, but I have a feeling that it's more like how these intelligences simply exist. They are able to manipulate physical reality by their own nature. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, we do have lots of physical uh, evidence, right? We, we do. 50, 60 years worth at least. But then there's also things that, look just like they're just lights and they're doing things yes that that's you know light itself or plasma or whatever you want to think of it as in general does not work that way it can carry information it can uh it can you know appear as a as a particle or as as a wave so it can change its physical function, but it's not a technology per se, or it's a kind of technology that's so far beyond our capability of understanding that it does not appear as technology. Yes. Or the technology that moves these lights around exists somewhere else. Any of those are any so, of those are possibilities. I, I kind of think that it's like you say, though, I think that they're at their base state, whatever this is, that they can just, I mean, it seems like they could be whatever they want, you know? Uh, yeah. Or yeah. whatever maybe they need to be to, to reach us, to contact us. That's mm-hmm. how it feels. And I, I know, again, either by its nature or by its intention, uh, somehow they can manipulate our, our equipment and or our senses. Um, cause I know you, and er, you've heard the stories and I've had the, uh, my own personal experiences of seeing one thing and recording something else or seeing something and not mm-hmm. recording what I'm seeing at all, which happened with the mm-hmm. owl, uh, almost, almost exactly two years ago now. Wow. I didn't even think about that. That was almost exactly two years ago when that happened. Uh, we missed that by a few days too. Wow, that just hit me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, what's going on here? Did 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 my camera get manipulated, or did my eyes? Because some something did, you know. And and I know that yeah. that's or, or both. both or both or both. So it it just seems like I don't know. They're they're so present now, uh, in my life. And and in other I know in other people's too that it does seem like it's just something that's just here 
you know, that it's just here. And it seems like mm-hmm. at its at its base state, it can it can, like you say, manipulate reality as as we know it. It doesn't play by our rules at all. <laughs> no, no, that is for certain. The the you know, and if people want to see that as well, that's inherent to their superior technology or whatever that that could be again none of us know exactly anything um and i don't reckon we're gonna know it anytime super soon but there there's just a lot of things happening and so many witnesses and experiencers out there i'm beginning to think that everybody has at least one small experience that they may not have even cognitively decided was an experience. They may have shoved it away from themselves and said, I'm not going to think about that. It didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. You know, especially if they witnessed it themselves and nobody else was around as a reality check. Definitely. And, And they've pushed it away. And it seems like it's also spreading that there's more and more people I agree. Experiencing these things. And this also fascinates me. It's like, well, what's going on? You know, why why now? Why, you know? I mean, I can think of some reasons, mm-hmm. but again, I don't know if I'm right or not. So what else has been happening? Gosh, a, a lot. I uh, So summertime was very active, as I mentioned earlier. I had a, a couple of... Uh, missing time type experiences early on. I, I know we, I think we talked about one of them on the phone. I don't know if I told you about the other one, but there was one night in particular, it was in June. And, uh, I remember just like I, I described in, in prior episodes where I would, I would feel that grip like we're just all of a sudden, it, I feel like I'm in the palm of a giant or something and just stuck, you know, and I'll feel, I'll definitely feel like a pull or a pulling sensation, like something pinning me, but, but not, not pushing down. I feel like I'm being sucked down into the bed. Um, right. It's the best way I can describe it. And as soon as I feel that feeling, it's just, it's always just terror comes over me, you know, where I'm just like, oh God, here we go again. I'm stuck here. I know what's going on. Um, they're here, you know, and I'm, and I remember that yeah. that feeling of fear, you know, welling up in me again, and that and that feeling of fight, um, which mm-hmm. is normally, you know, just mentally try to fight them away, fight them out of you, get them away from you. And I, I've talked on your show um, about how I, a lot of times I will feel a very physical sensation entering my body. You know, like actually coming mm-hmm. in inside of my body, um, which is obviously pretty nerve wracking. But in this case, I didn't. I didn't feel that. But I did. I do remember uh, having that that panic set in and making a conscious decision in my mind um, to just let go. Like, OK, just relax. You're stuck here. Let go of the fear. You know, you, you've always survived this before. Just chill out. And and almost immediately, as soon as I had those feelings, and I literally felt myself become calm. I felt myself very calm. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, Barbara, I woke up. I I've, I've felt like I, I had 
been dropped from the ceiling. Like I had that kind of inertial feeling and boom, I'm mm-hmm. awake. And I remembered uh, looking over and, and seeing that the sun was coming up. And I remember thinking that was very comforting to me. And mm-hmm. I, I got up and I think I used the restroom or something. And I came back and I, I had time before I had to go to work. So I laid back down. Um, I laid back down. I was like, I'm just going to rest a little bit. I felt pretty relaxed. It was daytime. The sun was out. I knew this had happened again, but I wasn't too freaked out. So I was just like, okay, let me just rest um, until I have to go to work. And my alarm went off a little bit later on. And I woke up and got out of bed, completely forgotten about it. And that couldn't have been an hour that I slept. It probably wasn't 30 minutes, but I had totally forgotten about everything that happened. Um, went and made my coffee, you know, got myself together quickly. And I went to the gym. Um, cause a lot of times I'll, I'll go, I'll go jog on the treadmill when it's super hot in Dallas, um, in the mornings before, yeah. you know, before I go into work and, uh, Anyway, I did that, and about, I don't know, five, ten minutes into my run, everything came back. And I remembered, like, very specific details of the experience, and and even some of the things that had kind of led up to being, you know, that that happening. Like, I had remembered getting up, being jostled in the middle of the night, and getting Mm -hmm. up and going out to my living room. And seeing in the corner, remember I remember seeing a, like a shadowy type figure in the corner, mm-hmm. and I was so impressed by that, or so worried when I saw that that I went right back to bed. Yeah, oh, yeah. didn't think. Yeah, people do. Didn't that. think anything yep. of it, and like yep. I remembered that that coming into my mind, and then I also remembered a vivid. I have a vivid memory um, of looking at my phone. And seeing it was 4.48 in the morning. Um, I, I say, I, I assume in the morning. Um, I remember seeing yeah. that number, 4.48, like on my on my phone, which presumably would have been right before this experience started because that would still be, it would still be dark outside um, during the yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, but here, yeah. here where I'm at in Texas. So like all of that came flooding back. Um, and then, gosh, a few weeks later, this one is even is even stranger. Actually, this would this would have been about a month later. I think this happened in July. Um, I went to bed just like normal, and this time, unfortunately, it, nothing has come back to me at all. But I woke up on my my couch in my living room. And I don't really have any history of sleepwalking at all. Like, mm. to my knowledge, it's only happened like yeah. once or twice. Um, but this time, I, I just woke up on my sofa. And not only that, my left eye was in, I would call it acute pain. Like, I was, it hurt really bad. Ooh. And uh, something was like my back ached for several days. Hmm. Several days. Um, I don't know how I got there or what happened to me or, or what I have no, no clue what happened there. 
How long did your eye hurt? My hurt for, gosh, it hurt for about a week. I mean, my, my back felt better after a couple of days, you know, and for, for an older guy who's done uh, manual type work for most of his life, I, I, I don't typically suffer from a lot of back pain at, at all. That, that's something right. not, not typical for me at all. But this hurt, man. Right. I mean, I, I was in pain. for That lasted for a couple of days. The eye thing lasted for about a week. It was probably five days that it, it hurt pretty bad. And yeah, I, no clue. No clue how I got there. It, was your eye red? Mm-hmm. Puffy? It was pretty red and puffy mm. for sure. It felt like running, kind of runny, for sure. Did you have any um, redness around the eye, like on your cheekbone or forehead, eyelids? I didn't. It was mm. really just specific to my eye, just very bloodshot and just in a lot of pain. Other than that, everything else looked, as far as I could tell, perfectly normal. Was your vision impaired in that eye for a while? Uh, not, not too bad. It it was okay. It it didn't. I could I could still see out of it. Okay. It just hurt. <laughs> did it look? I, this is going to sound weird, but did um, your vision from that eye have a reddish or pinkish cast? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No, I, I do remember I had to keep sunglasses like anytime I was outside for the first few days. I had to keep yeah. the sunglasses on for sure. Or like I would just kind of wink and blink myself crazy the whole time. But no, I, it's a good question. But no, I, I feel like my vision was like I wasn't seeing colors or anything. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Uh, if, it, if it was conjunctivitis caused by light... Um, it was a mild case. If it's really, really bad, you'll have that sort of pink tinge to it because your your eyes sunburned. Yeah, you know, essentially, and yeah, it didn't. So it didn't do that. That's odd. Yep. I, I don't. I don't. Anything with eyes, I'm like, oh no, we don't need to do that, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, we're no, good no. there. Yes. Uh. Did you have any um, headaches afterwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. Nosebleed? No nosebleed. Um, that, that's one... Ears? That's one that... No, I've never had an ear... Okay, ear, ear nosebleeds I've, I've never had, um, which is with any of the experiences with the shadows or, or any of the other missing time events that I've had like this. Um, I, that's one thing I have not had. I've had the, the marks still, yeah. I still have the, the spot that I always show you on, on my hand. It's yeah, still, still there. there. Um, still does the exact same thing. It'll, it'll grow to a certain point and then slough off. Um, and it just has like that little divot, that almost perfect divot shape in my hand. And then it'll, it'll regrow the, whatever it is, scab or whatever whatever that is and and then it'll fall off again it just keeps keeps on going it's been years now that i've had that <laughs> that's yep. odd so did you did you feel um 
you haven't you haven't really remembered anything from from this one. I'm wondering why you remembered stuff from one and not the other. And they were pretty close together. There's, yeah, yeah. There's no way to really know. Um, how's that mark on your wall? Is still it still there? Doing weird. Still stuff? there. And I think yeah. I told you, I found uh, there's more of it actually on my ceiling now. Um, which I I feel like I would I think that it grew to be honest with you because I, I think I would have noticed it. It was months months later when I noticed it on the on the ceiling as well, and I feel like that was a new situation. Um, yeah, right. I should probably describe that too. So I came home one day, and I have this. Uh, you saw the pictures. It looks like a, some kind of a goo um, that ran yeah. down one wall in my bedroom. There's no other room in the house, just in my bedroom. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, if you look at it, I mean, it looks like someone poured, like, maybe splashed water on the wall and it kind of runs down. It's clear like that. But I, I try to explain to people, it's not wet. It's a dry, it, it looks like a like a dry right. resin. Um, and when I run my finger through it, like I can smear it and it, and it will disappear. Um but it's not wet to the touch at all. And goodness, I'd have to go back and look at my, my photos, but I've had it for, I, I bet it's been there six months at this point, you know, at, le- at least for four months, I'd say. Um, yeah. And I feel like longer. And then, yeah, just recently, if you, within a month or two, I noticed it on my ceiling as well as the original wall, which I really feel like that's new. I don't think that was, uh, I don't think that was there. From the get-go. I think this is a new... I think that's a new... A new yes. thing. And it's it's especially huh. odd because it's only in this one room of the house. It's whatever caused this. Yeah. Only in my bedroom. And it it's not acting like, you know, black mold looks like black mold. There's a reason it's called that. Absolutely. <laughs> um. It, I mean, it could be a, a slime mold sort of thing, but those are usually outside. Right. Those don't come in. And if they look damp, they tend to be damp. Yes. You know, that's not a, a question of that. It's just not acting like any sort of issue like it that. It doesn't that, look biological yeah. at all to me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like that one bit. And uh it's not it's it's perfectly clear. I should say that like it's has no color whatsoever to it. Um Yeah. It that's why I think a lot of people when they see a, a photo of it or whatever, even from a distance, you look at it and it looks like water till you get up close and actually mm-hmm. touch it and then you realize it's dry. It's perfectly dry. So I don't I don't know. Yeah. That that is that is something odd, uh, and yeah, having worked physical labor for a long time, I reckon you know how things that build walls yeah. act. You know, you're not yeah. It's like you have you have no idea about drywall or anything. You do a good <laughs> so a fair amount. I can't figure. Yeah, I can't figure what else it would be. You know, you, I remember you, you telling me, you gave me some great ideas on tests that I need to run. 
on it. And I, st- I still haven't yeah. done that. But I remember you telling me to, to, to try the UV light and see if it uh, – Yeah. That would be – that's a – Is by – is biological yeah man that'll be interesting if it is right holy shit (laughs) especially since it's growing (laughs) oh goodness yeah i'll i'll yeah i'll keep you up to speed on that for sure yeah yeah um yeah i i just um UV lights are useful, so we we always have one around. Not just because we we have rocks that will fluoresce under UV lights, so we, you know you want to look at them. They glow. And that's cool, but also because it's very very useful, you know, to see if something is um, stained or that you can't see the stain itself. UV light will, you know, show that. So are so. they are they crystals? Grab one. It's, it's fun, fun to play sounds with. Sounds fun. Huh? So are they are they crystals that that are that will fluoresce? Uh yes. Yes, there are some crystals that will fluoresce and then there's this really cool rock um from Michigan called Uperlite and it's from up around okay. the lake and it's only there that I understand. And it looks really kind of boring when you look at it. I mean, it's cool. Um, it polishes up nicely, uh, but it's kind of a gray with black spots. You know, it's it it's it kind of just looks like a rock. Um, but the person who discovered it was looking for other stuff by the by the lake, other kinds of rocks, and he had a UV light with him, and he was you know scanning the rocks in this area and he noticed that some of these rocks started fluorescing a bright orange color and okay and what's really interesting (laughs) when he found these he started you know taking like tourists around to find the uperlite and there was a ufo sighting that happened very soon after he found the first one when he was with um, tourists and it was it was brilliant orange red lights doing all kinds of nonsense over the the lake you know doing all kinds of impossible things and then flying towards them on the beach and flying (laughs) over the truck as they were saying goodbye to this whole experience wow because the, some of the tourists got really scared, and I don't blame them because they had never seen anything like that. And so he came back and he witnessed the lights several times, and there were people on like the other side of the, not the other side of the whole lake, but like he was in kind of an inlet. And so on the other side of the inlet, other people saw it too. So it wasn't just this group of people in the viewing zone. So we have a, uh, I got my husband a dragon's head that was carved out of uperlite. Oh, wow. And so I had to, I had to include the UV light with it so he could of make course. it glow. So It's the only, the yeah. only way it would be any fun. <laughs> yeah, at least it's exactly. a lot more I mean, fun. At least oh. it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like a, it's a spotted dragon face. That is so <laughs> cool. cool. Oh, wait. It, it, yeah. So it looks like it has fire inside. Really? Ooh, Which is appropriate for, for a, dragon. a dragon. So no doubt. Yep. No doubt. But it's weird that 
and you know, I of course had to tell him the story of the UFOs, and he was like, "Of, of course, course. <laughs> UFO connection, of course." And of course, you know about that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love it. So I I did want to tell you also a couple a few different instances over uh, over the summertime as well, and this can kind of tie mm-hmm. back into maybe what we were talking about earlier. My kids uh, twice had poltergeist type activity in my house, which I think oh. I, I've told you they've seen many things with me. Um, they've seen UFOs enough times now that they're almost bored with it, unless they do something just really spectacular. Um, and then even, yeah. I mean, we had a, a sighting together when I was at home in Baton Rouge on July 4th, which was amazing. And my oldest son was kind of like, there are these just beautiful orange orbs that appeared um, over my mom's house while we were driving. And uh, they changed position. Like one, they were... They were at angles to one another and it, like a like a scale. Like they just changed positions mm-hmm. like this. And I'm oh I was like, oh my God. And we all saw it. And I mean there's these bright orange spheres. And I was like hauling ass trying to get to my mom's house because of course I wanted to film them. Um which I got the tail end of just a split second of one of them disappearing behind a tree is all I got of the orbs. Mm-hmm. But I'll have to show you. In the video, there's something you will see that looks like a plasma hand or something. Literally jumps over my my mom's fence, pokes its head, like pokes over the fence, shows itself, and then jumps back. And I have that. I've oh got that on, on camera. I, I have that. Oh, man. Um, but anyway, the point, I, that's kind of an aside, but the point I was trying to make is after everything happened and we went inside and I was just like, oh my goodness, that was incredible. And my oldest son was like, eh, it's just dots. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, <laughs> ho ho. You know. Oh, you know, yeah. Okay. It's dad's, dad's weird life. stuff. Okay. You know, it's like to him, if it's not yeah. affecting him in the immediate right then and there, you know, that to him, it's right. just kind of like, they're just something up there just playing around, you know, like that's how much experience they, how many times they've seen them. And they've had experiences with the owls, um, which I talked about, I think on our first, the first episode, mm-hmm. but this was something different. And the, the irony, the funny thing is both times, both occasions, it just so happened that it was my youngest two and not my oldest. Um, who was there to experience it. The first time was in July. Um, and it was two of my, my youngest two sons and two of their cousins who are about the exact same age, um, who were in town visiting and they were in my, my kid's room and I was trying to put them down for bed and I could hear just all kinds of ruckus going on. I mean, they were just being so loud and, and, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was frankly kind of frustrated with them, you know, because it had been a couple yeah. of times that I'd had to go back there and be like, okay, it's bedtime. You'll need to quiet down. It's getting late. Um, and that I had to do that a few times. Well, then this time they're just being loud and I barge in the room and I'm like, hey, what is going on? They're like, daddy, you don't understand. They're like, we just saw something weird. And uh, I was like, what did you, what'd you see? Tell me, tell me what you saw. 
And they said that they saw a red light appear on one of the walls. Like someone was maybe shined, sounded like they, as they were describing it, like someone shined a laser pointer on the wall. Right. Yeah. Um, Red. They said they saw it red and then it disappeared and then it appeared again on another side of the wall um, or another side of the room on the wall. And they they said that Mm -hmm. they both saw it, you know, do that a couple of times and like, like ping pong back and forth apparently. And that's what freaked them all out. So I had them all, I turned the lights on and I was like, show me every flashlight you have, every toy, everything that your cousins have, show me everything. I was like, did one, and I made him tell me, did one of y'all shine the light on the wall? And they all swore up and down, no. And unless they hit it really good, I, I couldn't come up with anything that could have done that. Also, the blinds were shut to their room. I always right. keep their blinds shut, which I, it would have been a long shot for me to think that someone was like outside their window shining a red light in there. But I guess that that could have been the case. But anyway, uh, I, I couldn't come up with any explanation. And I went and took a shower at that point, once I, I calmed them all down and uh, I went back into their room like 20, 30 minutes later. And there again, they were all up in arms again. And I asked them, I was like, what is going on? And they said they felt they heard knocking on the wall. Oh, um, yeah. On their walls. Like I say, about 20 minutes later. And uh, I sat them down. I, I said they were all freaked out. They didn't want to go to sleep and everything. And I, I talked to them and I, I I got them, I gathered them all together and I was like, hey, maybe there is something here. I was like, but doesn't seem like it wants to hurt you. And I said, to be honest, it doesn't even really seem like it's trying to, to scare you too bad. I said, maybe it just wants you to know that it's here. Why don't you just acknowledge that you you know that it's here and 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 I'm right in the other room. I was like, you know, just let them know that you you know, you know that they're around. And uh and I was like, I want y'all to try to go back to sleep. So they they were like, no, there's no way. We're not going back to sleep. So finally. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, Dad. No, but they're no. like, I'm not having it. So I let them, they literally all, all four of them, like brought all their pillows and blankets and everything. And they made little pallets on the floor, like all together. They were all laying with their heads together. And they made me put my dog in the room with them. And then as long as they had Ladybug in the room with them, then they felt okay. <laughs> so I was like, great. Yeah. Great. Well, that's. That's there is some truth. Absolutely to that. right. You know. So has has Ladybug ever uh, experienced anything with you that you know about? She she's definitely been there when I've seen the the high flying orbs many times. Um, she's never reacted to anything when when she's been around me. Um, she never has. Now on a flip on a flip side. Uh, my mother's dog, when they have come to visit, has. She has. Mm. Yeah. She'll she'll bark yeah. at nothing sometimes out there. And um, we've both seen her, like, immediately. As soon as she goes out, she's looking up, like, immediately. When she goes out into my backyard at night, head goes straight up. And my mom said she she never does that at home. But... uh but huh. my dog has not, so far, has not reacted to him one bit that I that I've seen that I was here for. Right, um, right. 
so I did want to tell you there's one other time that I, I actually kind of heard some of this this one. Um, there was one morning during the again during the late summer um, when I was get I was getting ready to go to work and everyone was awake and again it was just my two youngest and my oldest was not was not with me that night for whatever reason. I think he might have been camping, but anyway, um, my kids were were having cereal for breakfast, and one of them was still in the in the kitchen, and he had set his the other brother had just sat down and set his bowl down, and I think he went to go get milk, and again I heard I was I didn't see this, but I heard a, a racket, a noise, and I was close by. I was one room over. And I, I heard something, and I walked out there, and he was freaked out. And he said that he had set his spoon down on the left-hand side of the bowl. And when he left the room, we heard that noise. And when he walked back, it had been moved to the right-hand side. Oh, um, Lordy. And that's that's perfect to give a kid the Perfect, right? <laughs> so oh. a little bit later, my other son came. Did the? They both had their cereal together. And again, I think they, they both, I think they were done and they just both got up and left the room, uh, to go get their, get Mm -hmm. their clothes or whatever. And the second time I heard it again, the second time I heard the the noise, it was the real loud calamity and knocking around and stuff. And when they both walked in, both of their spoons had been moved this time to the opposite side of the bowl where they had left their, uh, where they had placed their spoon, um, Hmm. So I was like, it could have been a very well choreographed story, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. The timing is is off on that a little bit to have been them. Uh, Although I have to say, if it went from the left side to the Mm -hmm. right side, you could have an OCD, like, (laughs) Uh invisible creature because... They're supposed to go on the right-hand side, right? not the left. Exactly. <laughs> Fork is supposed to be on the left, and then the the table knife and the spoon are supposed to go on the right. Oh my goodness! I'm from a generation where they they you know just sort of drilled this into us in uh, home ec because it's real important that you know how the spoons, amazing and knives go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So I was like, "Did you have a home ec teacher in there?" That's like <laughs> just just done with them putting the spoon on the wrong side. Exactly. I've watched these kids enough. I've setting. watched them plenty enough. That's too funny. This is going on long enough. I can't. I can't take it. They have to yeah, learn. They're, their dad go. didn't teach them any proper manners. I'm gonna try to show them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You got you got yourself a southern. Uh, Home ec teacher, yeah. <laughs> grandma person. It's just like, no, no we're not having we're gonna it. We're going to teach him something. But yeah. And then I, I've had a, I've had a few. My my youngest in particular is the one who seems to have the most sightings with me. Um, we've had some spectacular sightings. Even just the other night, um, I think it was Sunday night. We had a really good sighting just in my backyard, right smack in the middle of Dallas. Um, so, so he definitely, and, and he has the, the strongest affinity to want to learn about this stuff too. Um, 
Right. He'll watch different videos and so forth. He's fascinated. And I don't know if it's because it happened with kids. Presumably it is. But he loves to listen to and read about the Ariel school case. The school. He loves that. Yeah. I've watched several videos with him, and he's he's done some reading about that, too, on, on his own. So Yeah. We'll, we'll see what, what happens with with the kids but it's it's definitely whatever this is has continued to interact with them also for sure right it much right. to my oldest chagrin <laughs> yeah. isn't that funny like he just says does it at least outwardly has no use for it you know I, I i know he thinks it's yeah it's interesting but i also think he wishes it wasn't happening you know yeah yeah that's the that's the difference in kids like you know i can i can say hey fox you want to go out and you know sit on the hill and and watch for ufos and he's like nope (laughs) (laughs) morgana's generally yeah ma let's let's go go," you know but you know although the first time that that we took fox was kind of funny um because I didn't realize that where we were watching was closed at night. And so we're sitting in a in a parking lot in the dark, in the shadow of the building, and looking up because it's the clearest place to look and you know, cop cars are coming by. And Fox was wearing a like acid green sweatshirt. I'm like, oh, we're screwed. We're screwed. And uh, he was like 13 or 14 when it happened. And Morgana and I just, I was like, just be still. Don't move. You know, their headlight isn't going to shine on us unless they come into this parking lot specifically. And I was like, just don't move. Keep your face down. Because, you know, Fox looks, he's whiter than I am. And that's a scary thing. Um and so we just, you know, Morgana and I had our heads down and I caught some movement out of the corner of my eye. And it's Fox flipping off the <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, put your hand down. <laughs> you know, because my, my instinct is to go, damn it, you know, loudly. But I didn't want to make a noise because their windows were rolled down. I'm like, you put your damn finger down. And you should have taken that jacket off. <laughs> that is too funny. He's like, you want me to take it off now? No, no I don't want you to move. I want you to sit still. <laughs> that is too funny. Oh, and then after the cops left, and we had had great sightings of Jupiter and Mars, and you know, it was one of those times when you could see several of the yes. planets in the sky with without telescopes. So we had been, you know, showing Fox this and that. And he's like, well, we still haven't seen a UFO. And that's when the gold-colored whatever it was just sort of came down and curved around and did a few little, you know, let's move in right angles and stuff. No sound. And I said, well, there you go. There's the UFO we didn't see because we haven't seen any yet. And he's like, okay, Mom. Can we go home now? (laughs) That was awful close. I'm like, yeah, we can go home now. (laughs) That's funny. It is funny to see. So 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You first. Oh, go no, go ahead. No, no, you first. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was basically going to say, but that's that's just how you know kids can be really, really gung ho about something, and then other times they're just like, oh no, <laughs> no. I'm I'm very thankful um, that they have had the experiences with me, though. You know, and so far, other than, I mean, you can, it's debatable, but I feel like for poltergeist type activity, it's been pretty benign and nothing too, too harmful or or too disturbing to them. You know, even that, that night that they were a little up in arms about seeing the lights and the knocking in the room and stuff, they, they settled down pretty quick, you know, um, so I, I'm still, I'm still very, it's such a, it feels like a blessing to me to be able to, to share those moments with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think so too. I really do too. And I have a friend of mine who's, his own, his own kind of experience or he's kind of a a synchronicity kind of a magnet. Um, But he and I Mm -hmm. chit chat a lot and he's, he's, we live close. So he's, he's come to see things with me and everything. And he tells me that a lot. He's like. Drew, I hope you realize. He said, "You know, it's such a blessing. You know, your your kids being able to to grow up seeing these things because, you know, in his mind, he has this vision that, you know, we're we're progressing closer and closer towards more open contact with whatever the intelligence is here. You know, which uh, mm-hmm. I, I like to hope that's true. Um, yeah." And in, and in his version of it, you know, the more people who have exposure to it, the less people will be panicked by it, you know, if and when that, that yeah. does happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I like to I like to think of it as a great blessing for sure. I think so, too. I, I wanted to mention to you, I really like that you let the kids have their own solution to to the to the poltergeist stuff so they they laid themselves out in a very specific way on the floor they felt safer and then ladybug was with them and that made them feel safest and that's i think that's great i think that you know rather than saying all right you get in your beds and you do this and you do that that separated them but if they were together they felt safe exactly and that made sense to me that you know they 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 had they had agency yes and you know one of the things that's that's disturbing to just about anybody with experiences like this is sometimes we don't have agency mm-hmm. we can't choose when they come or when they go or what they do you know sometimes Sometimes we invoke them. We, you know, we ask for it by name. We say, hey, come here. Um, But other times we don't. And like when you have the the pulling sensation and it's scary and you, you start to panic, you know, you have realized that you don't have agency over what they do. But you have agency over how you react so to true. it and what you do. So true. And I mean that's true with with people too. I mean that's just a, a a healthy psychological response anyway. That you know some people are just going to do their thing and not care that it harms people, right? Amen. But you can re- you can decide how to react to that, and you can you can move 
away from that. And that's a that's a very, very healthy response in any situation, but particularly these experiences. And I'm I'm glad that you don't have a reactive dog, honestly. <laughs> Because I have cats who will just, you know, freak out every now and then. And it doesn't help. It, it actually adds to the emotional churn of, you know, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> so you've got, a, you've got a good one. I, I wanted to mention this to you, too. I'm glad you mentioned that. This is kind of funny and just very interesting. I've always heard that, that cats are very reactive to the phenomenon, to any any kind of spiritual phenomenon. I've, I've always heard that. Well, I have a friend of mine um, who, you know, it is what it is, but he's definitely a kind of a psychonaut. Uh, mm, um, okay, yeah. Partakes in, in psychedelics, and he's very serious about it. You know, it's not something that he does on a whim or, or even, it's not a, he's not out to have a good time, you know. Um, right. But he, he definitely, he does it, more than I would would be comfortable doing, but anyway, uh, he's he's talked about in particular a couple times when he's done DMT, um, and he will experience entities. And he said that mm-hmm. and this is fascinating to me. But he said there have been a couple of occasions when he experienced something that he perceived as frightening. Um, you know, scary in appearance mm-hmm. or, or menacing in some sort of way. And he said that when they would approach him, he said his cats mm-hmm. will chase them away. I'm not he surprised. said they will literally, his house cats, these demon spirits or whatever, you know, whatever he perceives in that moment then to be menacing, that his cats literally scare him. And he said he thinks it's interesting because if you look at... Uh, like Egyptian hieroglyphs and, and their paintings and so forth. He said a lot of times, like in the rituals, what appear to be rituals in the in the glyphs, you'll see cats. And he says he speculates if mm-hmm. that's if that's maybe why. Like if they were there to protect them. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. I know so many people whose cats have uh, reacted to whatever um, ghosts. Um, lights. I had a cat who loved to watch out the window as the little ones, little lights danced around the the backyard and all of that. Um, when we first saw the lights in the falling down the hill house, one of my cats would sit in the windows and growl at them and smack the glass whenever they were around. And if they moved away from that window, she'd jump down and go to another window where it would turn out they would be, and she'd do the same thing. It was almost like she was telling them to out, just go, you know, don't mess with that. And when Morgana stayed in that house with us, she, even though she didn't really like Morgana herself, she, she, she was a cranky cat who only really liked Zach and I. And, um, but she would lay in the bed with Morgana, and if any of the lights came close to the window, she'd jump down and get in the window and ward them off with smacks and growls. <laughs> wow. And Morgana remembers that to this day, and she was only like four or five. Gosh, I bet. So, 
Yeah, so she remembers that, that 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 cat did that. That is cool. That is really cool. I think that's that's neat. Protectors. Yeah. Protectors. Yeah. And and there are dogs that also react. I just got a book today um, by Linda Zimmerman. I love and her. And it's about... She's, she's got some great uh, stuff, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. She does. Well, it's about animals reacting to UFOs. Huh, okay. Literally, it came right before we started to record so i i have like looked at one thing <laughs> and and it was about dogs so some some dogs do react to things and some you don't we'll see maybe 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 mine will will become more reactive she's relatively new to the family so maybe in mm-hmm. time when she sees a few more things uh she'll she'll become more reactive that'll be interesting to see be very interesting to see yeah yeah it will there's, will. Um, there ahead. was one other thing that was on my mind that I definitely wanted to talk to to you about, um, and I, I have some re- kind of some reasons for it, um, which I'll, I'll get into, okay. but uh, I mentioned to you offline that I don't think we had ever talked about mound sites. No, we haven't. I'm, I'm curious to know what, what you know about them, what your thoughts are on them. Um Especially you live in, you know, somewhat close, presumably, to the Serpent Mound. Um, yeah, about an hour, hour and, and a half, half away. Have you, have you? Or maybe hour, 15 minutes. Oh, wow, minutes. okay. So it's pretty close. Something like that, um, yeah. Have you been to it? Have you seen the site? I think yes. it is. It is a gorgeous site. Um <laughs> When I was there, I was pregnant with Fox, so that was, you know, 17 years ago, 18 years ago. Um, the uh, viewing towers that they have so you can, you know, be above it and look down to wow. see the whole thing at once uh, were kind of rickety, you know. <laughs> they were a little bit, you know, chancy. I was kind of like, well, that's um, mm. But I, I didn't care because once I got up there and could see the entire monument, it's it's utterly fascinating. It looks otherworldly it to me. It is gorgeous. I mean, it, it really does. It, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, coming from where I was born, I was born about two blocks away from the second largest mound in West Virginia. Really? So... Huh. Yeah, so I was I was born there, and then my grandparents' farm was on a hilltop that had a couple of mounds on it. Wow. You know. Um, okay. And where I live now, I'm about a mile and a half from one of the larger uh, complexes here in Athens County, and it's called the Wolf Creek Mound Complex. Now... It is a protected site, mm-hmm. but uh, unscrupulous uh, land developers have destroyed large numbers of the remaining yes. mounds. But there is still one really large one that's there and that is kept by the historical society. Um, that, that complex was, was disturbed in the 19th century anyway. They dug into the mounds. They removed dirt. They destroyed the the wall that 
went around it that was also earthwork. There was an earthwork wall that that surrounded the whole thing and enclosed it. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. And then where we lived in Pataskala in Licking County, still in uh, Ohio, there is a mound complex in Newark that is now a World Heritage Site. Wow, okay. So, and it has effigy mounds that are kind of like the uh, the serpent mound. That really? They depict animals. Ooh. Yeah, and one of them looks to be like a, a lizardy kind of dragon thing, but may actually be the water the water panther huh, okay. that was was uh, associated with the Ohio River, um, and it's one of the um, more sacred of the spirits of the Shawnee. But all of these mounds were were made before the uh, tribes that uh, white people knew, colonists knew when they got here, and uh, all of the you know, of their contemporary native peoples call, said that the old ones had had put those in and they had stories about them and they had uh, rituals that, you know, had to do with them and and all of that sort of thing. But they, even they didn't know the names of those people, those tribes. They, they just... You know, pretty much in every language, it's it's the old ones or the ancient ones or the building ones, you know. So, yeah, they're all over the place in Athens County and all over the Ohio Valley and wow. all over West Virginia. And, yeah, they're everywhere. <clears throat> wow. So, yeah. Here's... Have you ever been around any? Yes. Uh, and that's part of where this just got a whole lot more interesting um so one of the reasons that i I wanted to bring that up is because i I knew you were in ohio and there's serpent mound there um and i knew that there were other mound sites um didn't know that you were born close to a mound site in west virginia um so where i'm from in baton rouge barbara a lot of people don't realize this but what is believed to be now the oldest mound site in all of uh, America um, is right there in the center of LSU's campus in Baton Rouge. Not oh, wow. far. It is. I can send you pictures of it. It's just this beautiful twin mound complex. Um, I mean, it's literally right down the street from our the LSU Tiger football stadium, real close to the Mississippi River. Um, I go see it pretty. I go see the site almost every time I'm down. Um, if I have any excuse to I, I go visit the site um, and they just found another mound site um, that I visited last when I was down in the summertime it's much smaller um, and, 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 uh, mm-hmm. and and newer mound site it's actually a, a younger mound site but the the they call it the campus mounds site now um, on LSU's campus mm-hmm. and it's now thought to be it, it may be uh, if the carbon dating that was recently done holds up um, which they think it will. It may be the oldest structures ever built in America. They're they're like wow. they date back to like ten thousand BC. They they think now. Um, that's amazing. That's just amazing. So, on top of that, uh, it came up in conversation. My friend that I go visit in Oklahoma, 
He was born and lived for quite a while um, right near the Cahokia site, just outside of oh. San Antonio. Um, so as soon as when I uncovered that, when I when we put that together, we we're like, no kidding, you grew up by a mountain site too? We we're like, that's inter- That's just kind of interesting, you know? It, yeah. Who knows? You know, it's just one of those. I know. I know it's, it's and crazy. now finding out that you were and you were born close to one. It's born. even more, yeah. all the more interesting. Oh yeah, there, there's there's all sorts of uh, interesting sites in the in the county I was born in. There were stone walls that were there when the uh, colonists came came through. There, West Virginia took a while to be colonized. Um, because it was mostly the, the terrain was just, you know, forbidding lots and lots and lots of very dense forests, lots and lots of, you know, mountainous and, and foothills that go straight up and down. And, you know, it wasn't great for agriculture. Um, river valleys were the only places that it was easy to build on. And, and it wasn't until, uh, coal and salt and natural gas became known that they really started um, colonizing and, and building, yes. you know, permanent structures and cities and towns and railroads. Really, the, the 19th century is when most of all of that started happening. And boy, did it go fast once it started. Um, but... There's a, a carving, and it's made of wood. It's very old wood. You know how um, barn beams look? Yes, absolutely. The old oak barn beams, they're kind of shaggy uh-huh. looking, and but they've dried like iron. They're so tough at that point. They're like iron. Yes. They, they just, yeah. So this carving looks like that kind of wood, but it's old. It's extremely old. Um, and there's all kinds of, you know, well, questions about what's it, what was it made out of? What was its purpose? It was found in a cavern. Um, I'm pretty sure it was found in Kanawha County. Um, that's where I was born. And it's, it's a humanoid figure stand in a column like shape. And it, it has the face and then it has two arms reaching out but only like from the elbows down so it's kind of like you know he's still a column he's got shoulders but and then in his hands is an animal of some sort a four-legged it looks kind of like it's a (coughs) sheep so there's there's you know people have said well maybe it was carved by uh a very early settler who was Christian and it's supposed to resemble, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd with a lamb. Me, I think you can't exactly say it looks like a lamb because it looks like a sort of a generic four-legged creature. It could be a deer. We don't know, you know, Um, but it's a really interesting carving. And I have, it used to be in the Capitol building, and I lived, like, right down the street from the Capitol. Like, it was a few blocks away. So I would go and look at it, like, 
for years and just stare at it and try to it just fascinated me for whatever reason i don't know why but yeah lots and lots of mounds and it's kind of interesting to find out how much activity is around those mounds definitely and yeah yeah there's lots and lots of stuff happening around who do you think built them barbara any, do you have any theories on that? Who are the, these these elders, the old ones? I'd really like to know their names because we we call them the mm-hmm. Hopewell. We call them the the Fort Ancient. Um, we call them the Woodlands. Uh, you know, people, and we we call them the Adena people, and. You know, they didn't leave any type of writing. It was all oral tradition, but it seemed to have had a a break in it before the the more modern tribes rose up. So there's this whole thing, where did they go? And you know, particularly around Cahokia, there was there was something that caused that that civilization, which was yeah. huge. I mean, Cahokia was an honest-to-God city. city complex. Yeah, I mean, that place is amazing. Yeah. And it was gigantic. And also at that time, you had uh, copper mining up in the Great Lakes region. And so you'd, you'd find shells from the Gulf that had been traded for copper, from the north and so you have these two trading goods that had have gone back and forth so there was whole trade routes that had to have existed to 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 get those goods back and forth where they were Mm -hmm. then found inside the the mounds sometimes or in places like cahokia there could have been overcrowding and there could have been a pandemic that could have happened um, and and caused uh, survivors of Cahokia to disperse. That could have happened. Um, it could have been that there was war. I don't know. We don't know. I mean, there there's plenty of of uh, older axe heads and and. Uh, stone tools that are that are stone weapons as well so that could have happened i don't know i i'm sure that they they were from the waves of people who came across the bering strait or came through uh south america after coming from polynesia now that they that now that archaeologists have figured out that that i think that's probably how they got here but mm-hmm. it's it's so old. It's so old that it's like this crazy mystery. I remember. And it, it's, I just want to know. Right? I know. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've studied much on Edgar Casey, the the sleeping psychic guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the sleeping prophet. He, uh, in some of his readings, apparently, he said that they were built by the by one faction of the remnants of the Atlanteans. That they uh, yeah, that they moved to to you know what we now 
call America United States and that they built the they built the sites and apparently according to to his version of the story that that group that ventured north um they purposefully wanted to live i guess more humbly without technology um that whatever mm-hmm. happened to sink atlantis or whatever that they felt like it was it was wrong and they just wanted to live with the land and with nature and that they became the mound builders um I think I heard that from Greg Little on his interviews, I believe. But the writings, yeah. anyone, I think if you if you joined the Edgar Casey his group, the ARE, I believe, um, you can have mm-hmm. access to all of his works apparently, and I guess you you could read that. But just an interesting idea too. <laughs> just oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, it. I mean, supposedly the Phoenicians. And the Egyptians had contact with at least the natives of South mm-hmm. America. There's there's stories about that, and of course there's the story of uh, the Welsh prince Madoc, who escaped. I don't remember what he was up to, but he was up to something and had to had to escape. So he took his people and went across the ocean because he somehow knew that there was land across the ocean. And then there's the actual historical account of St. Brandon from Ireland who got an acoracle and that's a boat made out of hide, which is just blow that blows really? my mind. And he came and uh, describes in his, in his, uh, in his writings about it, the the land and the 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 sea conditions and all of the stuff that happens up in the North Sea until you get to you know Greenland and and Iceland and you know Nova Scotia he describes it perfectly and he he went back he went back to Europe and of course there's the settlements in Greenland and Iceland from the Vikings there's been so many people. Oh, and there's a Chinese shipwreck off the coast of California. I've heard about that. That's, that's pre-19th mm-hmm. century. It's like pre-1492 at that. God. Yeah. So there's just so much movement between peoples. It's I honestly think it's just a human thing to do. I do too. We're always wanting to reach out to other places and other people. And we trade with people, you know, we, we trade food, we trade, you know, methods of, of weaving and sewing and all of this stuff. It's, it's just how people are. And I think that in a lot of ways, it's almost impossible to figure out exactly who, what, where, when, and why any of that happened once you're beyond written language. Once you've gone back so far, there's no more written language. And it, that's that's why you 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 just shrug your shoulders and go, I don't Who know. Knows? You know. <laughs> Who knows? It's yeah. fun, fun to speculate about. But I, I tell you what, at least the site in Baton Rouge, my goodness, you can just feel that place, man. And, and you can imagine mm-hmm. what it what must have been like, you know, 10,000, 12,000 years ago when, when they originally constructed those sites, you know, just being right there by the Mississippi, um, 
Yeah. You know, with just probably wide open. You know, it's it's sort of a in a area that's kind of like a plains. Um, you yeah. Know, probably had great visibility, and and I like to imagine that 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 site at least was like a very ceremonial center. You know, a very a place yeah. of spiritual importance. Which yeah. I would imagine that Serpent Mountain would have had to have been the same. Would have had to have been. Oh yeah, it faces it faces the summer solstice, so it it is aligned to show the sun like right in front of it on that day. And so there there are Native Americans who come and and do ceremonies there to this nice. day. Um, and uh, it's just a beautiful place. And all of them, all of the ones I've been around that have been less disturbed than others are they're very powerful like place you can feel it it's buzzy that's what i call it it sort of buzzes i love it yes buzzy i i got yeah. exactly what you mean exactly yeah there's there's actually it's almost there's a <clears throat> it's like a static electricity mm-hmm. thing there's a there's a field barbara not too far from where i live like you know in a mile or so down the street and it's this bizarre looking open field um in the middle of a subdivided area and it backs up to a soccer field and it has this shape this ring shape of trees large mature trees and a drainage canal that runs right next to it um and there's like i said there's just no reason for this field to be open like there's nothing on it there's no playground equipment Nothing. It's never been developed as anything. It's just wide open. And that's actually the field where I had uh, that really amazing experience on Easter of 2022 that we talked about on Mm -hmm. on the first time I recorded with you. Um, And that field has that same presence to me. Like you just, when you walk by that place, it just ripples with energy. You can just feel it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of, I've had, I've taken a lot of really cool photos there and videos. I had that one experience that one night. I've had all, I've had nighttime sightings and day sightings, you know, while standing in the middle of that, that kind of horseshoe shape of trees. But it's definitely one of those, yeah. those places there that uh, just, it's interesting how some, some places do have their own magic to it. There's some magic of place going on there with them, you know, and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, that's how I imagine a lot of the mound sites to be too. That they were they're very important, and yeah. probably a lot of energy was put into those places. And I think some of that's still there. Mm. <laughs> Who whoever yeah. built them? Yeah, whoever built them. Yeah, yeah, and and places like your your little horseshoe shaped field uh, and trees, little forgotten places in cities seem to have a that spirit of place that energetic feeling and it's like there's like five people who know about them in each each place there's not that many people wandering over there doing things and it's like these little pockets of secret lore just sitting there waiting for people that notice them and and in and in a good way and they seem to often just protect themselves too uh-huh. in a way 
that that there's there's a reason it's not developable. Yes. You know that that it's just it's just a little yeah. I love I love, love that. that. I love it. <clears throat> and yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, there's Athens is kind of cool because it has pockets of forest that weave along through the houses and especially up on the hills um because again they're very steep steep ridges so people can only you know build in certain places and then all of the rest of it is left as as forest so there's all of these weird little pockets of trees that you know, the, there's a couple of places where the city streets that, you know, wind up or down in those hills, they just end. Really? They end right at the forest. Wow. Yes. Yes. Right at the forest. And and in those places, I know of people and I have experienced weird stuff in, in or around those woods. Oh, I bet. And it's, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I love I love the idea that well you know we're just going to stop building this. Right Has there have you ever found like any explanation there, for why that was done or heard any stories or anything? Once, once you go walking out there, I think it was done because it just became too rugged. Okay, and and it was too, you know, they were like nobody's going to be able to build out there here. There you go. So why why keep you know making the road go through? But it does. It, they extend into the forest for, I don't know, about 10, 12 feet. There's brick street that goes out and then nothing. There's no wall. There's no turnaround place. You know, there's no widening, no curb, nothing. It just, in the 19th century when it was built, it stopped. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yes. That's where that's where I'd go if I wanted to, if I wanted to experience something abnormal. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> exactly, it would be. That's where I'd go for sure. <laughs> yep, yep. And the woods where it backs into, you know, that that go on beyond that road actually leads to where we live and to our backyard. We've tried to like walk through there, but there's all sorts of of like drainage runoffs and and little, little mini ravines all through there, and nobody has ever cleared through there. So there's all sorts of briars and stuff. So it, it's hard for people to get through, but you know, deer and other animals, foxes, and you know, whatever. They get through there all the time, so you know because there are like animal paths you can you can see, but you can't really follow them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you could. I'm too afraid of it because I don't want to break Same. my leg. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll leave that. <laughs> I'll leave those trails to the wildlife. <laughs> let them let them have their space. Yes. Yes. For sure. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for bringing all of these stories. Absolutely. That's. You have you've you've always brought the goodness and uh, got a lot to think about. Is there anything else you want to throw out or ask or? Not right now. 
I think I think right now okay. there's there's part of me that that wants to ask you about where we're going with disclosure, but then there's part of me that wants to just let this develop a little bit more before we even go there. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, we're in such a situation of flux. It's not. It. I don't find it easy to predict which mm-hmm. way anything's going to go. And I know. I know so. we both know plenty of people in the field, and I feel like every time I feel like it's going to go one way, then something else happens, and it's like watching a game of ping pong or something, you know, right right now. <laughs> but yeah. gosh, I, I'll say, I mean, these are quite the time, this is quite the time we live in, you know, and I, I do feel like we're, yeah. we're, it's all leading up to something, you know, like you say, more and more people yeah. seem to be awakening or whatever you want to call it, or having these anomalous experiences, Um all the time it, it is at least somewhat yeah. being put into the public consciousness in a, in a way that mm-hmm. you, you don't get maybe laughed at quite so much as you did even 10 years ago let alone you know yes. 40 or 50 years ago when keel and valet were first writing you know where so yeah we're progressing and i just want to see where 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 this is going to go i'm i know i it's an exciting time to be alive, but at the same time, there's a part of me that is super skeptical same. and super, you know, um, untrusting of of anything coming out of any government mm-hmm. because there's been so much that has been tucked away, hidden, you know, and so you know everybody who's all excited about oh disclosure, disclosure. And I'm like oh y'all, yeah. Don't get too excited. Mm-hmm. Don't don't. You know you're gonna get disappointed. Don't get too excited. But I, I'm I'm really working hard on not being that way and saying it too much. I just kind of try to flow with it. You know I'm I'm kind of of the mindset that they're never uh, the government will never fully disclose what they have, um, and I, I I think they're that's. That's probably likely. What I do wonder, what could possibly happen, is if we had a, we'll call it a Fatima-type event. Um, mm-hmm. Could you imagine what would happen if that happened nowadays with cell phone cameras and, and all of that? You know, with that much documentation, that would be possible. Um, something like that could at least get everyone to say, all right, we cannot deny this at all you know um yeah yeah so we'll see we'll see have you heard have you heard of the our lady of zaytun mm-hmm. egypt oh yes i have heard about that okay. not a lot but i have so yes that that actually has photographs because it happened in the 70s 60s or 70s wow. but that there are a lot of photographs of of a lady hovering up at the at the top of this cathedral this giant coptic church and thousands and thousands of people saw it incredible she seemed to be walking out into the air and she waved she interacted with people i mean i mean she was way you know hundreds of feet up from the people but she'd wave at them you know so that's I think that's the closest thing. There was there was um, the one in Yugoslavia. Oh yeah, 
but there wasn't as much film and photograph of it as as the one in Egypt. So, yeah, I do kind of wonder if we're going to have something that happens like that. I know. And that would be exciting. Yeah, that would be damn exciting, wouldn't it? I'm I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd get in the car and drive a while to, you know, see something to that definitely. effect. Most definitely. Even if I'm, a you know, being a Debbie Downer and going, I may not be. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I might be skeptical, but I'm going to go find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think everybody should be that way. Just, just okay, let's go let's see. Let's go find out. Let's go see. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. As always, I'll I'll never forget. You know, you were the the. I've done a few a few shows now, but but you were the first. So I, I I always really appreciate that you you let me come on and ramble on for two hours aimlessly that one time uh, a couple years back, and uh, it's been it's been a, quite the ride ever since. And uh, I like I say, I, I yeah. really appreciate you letting me get that out. Thank you, thank you very much, and I'm honored that you you know, would talk to me about it because I know how hard it is to talk with anybody, even if you know that they've had experiences. There's a part in, in the back of your head that's like, oh, what if she thinks I'm crazy? Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's terrifying. It you is. Know, I, I would rather come out as gay, which I did, I'm, I'm bi, you know, that actually went easier I, oh, I than it. saying to everybody, you know, oh, yeah, I see weird crap all the time, <laughs> yep. you know, and not be afraid. It's it's very scary. So thank you for, for, you know, contributing your story, for sharing it. I still believe that every story that we share is going to bring comfort to somebody Definitely. else. And even if they never tell their story, they know that they're not alone. And I, I hope... And that, that's a big reason that, that I wanted to, to get involved in doing shows like this, you know, is to share and, and, and definitely to let anyone open-minded know that these things are happening. But also for that, for like you say, for that person who may never share that story, but who's struggling right now, you know, I want them to know that yeah. there's a community out there. And I, I mentioned this before, um, but if anyone ever wants to talk to me or, or feels like they need to talk to me or even just wants to ask me any questions or see any of my pictures or videos, I'm, I'm wide open to it. Um, anyone can, can contact me in any time they want to. Um, and I can leave you an email address. I can leave you my personal email address. Maybe put it in the show okay. notes if you want to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will. And I'm, I'm always open to I that. Will. So it's my life now. Yeah. It's part of my life now. So That's... here we go. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you. It's always great to talk always, with you. Always, always. Pleasure's all mine, Barbara, as always. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.